Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way. Love is what you Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, along with my daughter and co-host Lauren Simonian, welcoming you to another session of self-coaching, where real-life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. And today, Lauren and I are going to be discussing negative bias. And Lauren, you are the least negative person I've ever known in my life. <laughs> are, you, are you ready to talk about negative bias? Yes, I am ready. So what the heck is negative bias? <laughs> well, negative bias is very unfortunate for all of us because it is actually an evolutionary protection mechanism that forces us to notice and be more impacted by the negative things in life, more, more so than the positive. So mm. we kind of have to fight against it to live a life of positivity and meaning. Yeah. Okay, let, let, I, I, I see exactly what you're saying, because I, I love evolutionary psychology. Um, I think of my favorite cave person, Fred Flintstone. And one day, let's, let's go, go with me on this, this little adventure here. Fred and his wife, Wilma, are out picking berries. They are, of course, hunter-gatherers. And Fred picks a, a red berry, chomps on it, and all of a sudden he gets violently ill, uh, just writhing in pain on the ground. Okay, so that's, that's a negative experience. So that's going to leave a bias, an imprint on his brain, right? And for the rest of Fred's life, I bet he'll never go near one of those red berries again. Is that, is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I think that I think that we're kind of hardwired for negativity in that way because it allows us to sort of store that information as threatening so that right like you say he won't do that again and that you're hyper aware of any threat that's around you. So so this negative bias is kind of part of our our genetics it's part of our DNA it's part of what has shaped our species in terms of survival. And, and we're going to be talking about why the negative bias is really an imperative when it comes to, to really survival. In Fred's case, it's, it's a little obvious that, that once he focuses much more on that negative red berry, that he's going to be protected from drifting there again and unconsciously you know, going toward and plucking that in his mouth. So, so we are actually rewiring our brain with, with maybe more impact when it comes to the negatives than it comes to the positives. Is, is that another way of seeing it? Yes. Yeah. I think that the negativity bias, um, they actually say it's, it's a three to one bias towards the negative. So if you have three positive things happen and then just one negative experience of the same level of intensity, the negative overtakes the positive every time. Okay. I like that. That helps. Uh, and I'm thinking now, so the, in order for the, the, the opposite, in order for the positives to overtake the negative, 
it takes three of those positives. So, so let's imagine a bowl. And let's say that Fred puts in his one red berry. So now we start putting in three blueberries in proportion to the one red berry. Now, if we keep adding one red berry, three blues, one red, three blues, eventually what happens? The red gets eclipsed. Now, is that another way of imagining that the positives need to eventually eclipse and overcome? Uh, and it takes that many in order to do that. So for every negative experience to kind of become neutralized, we need to keep throwing in three more of those blue positives. Yes, I love that. And yeah, and it's it really is an active choice to go and find those red berries because I, negativity is so contagious almost. It's almost like we once something negative happens to shift your momentum back to the positive, it takes a lot of uh, it takes a lot of thought and action and commit commitment uh, because it's way easier once you have a negative experience, you kind of slide down that negativity slope. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So one way I'm looking at negative bias is that when I say negativity, maybe it helps me to think in terms of things that may harm us. Do you see it that way? When we, we say we're focused, we have this predilection towards uh, the negative. Is that because we are focused more on those things that could harm us? Is that another way of saying exactly what we're talking about? I would say yes, in most cases. And I think that is where the bias originated from. But now as we have evolved and we have a higher level of consciousness, it's not always that way. Like for instance, um, you might you might sort of gravitate to a negative thought or emotion about having to wake up early to your alarm now that there's no threat there but you might sort of like cling to that negativity throughout your morning that oh I had to wake up earlier today um, and I didn't want to get out of my bed I mean something as simple as that is a negative thought that people unconsciously could cling to even though there's no threat well, well let me let me be devil's advocate because I'm I'm always interested in that word in the word control so even if I set my alarm clock and I have some trepidation about getting up too late, uh, so, so I'm going to focus on that negative that maybe I won't hear it, maybe I won't get up. And on some minute level, it makes me feel a little out of control that I can't trust myself. So, so I guess I'm going a little bit deeper into the negativity and not seeing it as innocuous that on some minute level, uh, things that harm us may have this very, very minimal effect in making us feel somewhat out of control with our lives. Mm. So when you say negativity is a threat, you're also, you're talking about it being a threat to your sense of control? Mm -hmm. Yes, because when I was in high school, I remember my biology teacher once said that, uh, that all organisms uh, uh, hate pain and seek pleasure. And, and, and he, he said that was kind of a universal kind of law. And I, my, you know, Joe Luciani law is that human beings abhor losing control. And, and I, I put that in as almost a universal law, a psychological law, that anything that makes us feel any loss of control makes us feel more vulnerable. 
And therefore, of course, it, it, it feels threatening. So negative bias is one of those things that creates that imbalance, that cognitive dissonance, where we start to feel a little bit queasy, a little bit out of control, catches our attention, right? Do you, mm, do you see yeah. why I, I use control? I, yes, it makes sense now. I guess we're talking about the same thing then. <laughs> yes. yes. So so our our conversation right now is evolving, as you say, right? Mm, yes. <laughs> we're on an evolutionary track here. Wow. Uh, so we we want to we want to just slow this down a little bit here because uh, otherwise I get too excited and then I start doing silly stuff. Remember last week I I threw in the Flying Dutchman. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I, I, I <laughs> vowed. I vowed to try to limit myself in this podcast to just sensible, pragmatic kind of uh, things that we can talk about. Mm. So negative bias. Now, as much as I'm intrigued by by Fred, say, knowing that a red berry may imprint and three to one will keep uh, the positives coming to get him away from that. What about relationships? Does the same thing hold for relationships? I've actually read that with relationships, the negativity bias is even more intense. And that actually is a five to one ratio with uh, friendships or actually, I guess, any sort of relationship. If there's one thing that breaks trust, um, five other positives are needed to outweigh it. Whoa. Okay. So back, back to the bowl. So in this case, rather than a red berry, let's say Fred puts in an apple. So the apple represents a relationship negative, then in order to overcome that with positives, Fred's going to have to throw in five berries for every apple. And eventually there'll be more berries and more berries and more berries. So it takes a lot more berries to overcome an apple. <laughs> it does. And I think it also is important to note that that berry that Fred ate made him like very, very sick. So I think that was a, sort of like a traumatic negative but we're even talking about like innocuous negatives you know like fred mm. didn't show up to help wilma, wilma prepare dinner that night and so and like that's a real like danger that. yeah, well yeah <laughs> <Come on. laughs> fred, where are you get in the kitchen yeah and then something like that is you know it's it's a small um, assault on their trust but it is still something that needs to be rebuilt Mm -hmm. Because that's something Wilma will focus on until she's able to shift her bias. Yeah, and and that's right. Uh, I, I'm thinking in terms of relationships too. What came to my mind just now is that gossip. You know, when we gossip, we cling on that one negative. Did you see the dress she was wearing? You know, forget all the positives that this this person just won the Nobel Peace Prize and she's just cured cancer. Did you see that dress? You know, isn't gossip a form of how we focus on those negatives? Yeah, I think so. And I think there are a lot of relationships that exist in this world that are based on negativity. There are certain people that when they get together, focusing on other people's faults or negatives in the world is almost what their relationship is based on. Uh, and I see that pretty often. It makes people feel like their negative view is being validated. And somehow that feels comforting because of that biological or chemistry, yeah, we, chemical reaction. We, we are kind of snarky people, <laughs> you know, deep down inside. We we tend to, we tend to pick people apart sometimes rather than to extol the positives, um, you know. And that's and that's probably why 
for a relationship to overcome one of those negatives, uh, it does take five positives. So in a sense, when we start putting more positives into an equation to, to kind of get back on track in a relationship, we're, we're more or less unlearning, which is the title of my, my new book, which is, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but we are sort of unlearning that negative, if you will. We're, we're kind of diminishing it in prominence in our mind and we're building up the positives. So, so I could see it as a process of unlearning that negative bias and, 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 I guess, well, I'm going to assume you might agree that the positives, you know, we really need to focus on the how to overcome that negative bias. Since it's it's a genetically endowed trait, it's not going to be easy, is it? Well, it does take a conscious effort for sure. And it, when you were just talking, it reminded me of this summer job that I worked at not too long ago. And at the lunch hour, there was a, sp a certain space where all the employees would meet to eat their lunch. And it didn't take me long to realize that this was a place where people went to just fester in their negativity. And so everything that was shared for the most part, and I'm not even exaggerating when I say almost everything that was shared was a shared negative view. And the more people would talk uh, about something that was unsettling for them, the more it would create this almost just this like black cloud of negativity. And uh, a day in and day out, I just kind of felt myself being drawn into it. Like it was this contagious thing. And I don't like to live my life in a negative state, but I actually started to notice that I was falling prey to these negative conversations. And I was actually saying things I didn't even believe, but it was just this way of creating camaraderie and validating their thoughts. And so I started something with myself because I noticed what I was doing and I didn't appreciate that I was, you know, falling victim to this, to this culture. And so I started this little game. It was a conscious effort on my part to not contribute to the negativity. And so any day that I could sit there and eat my lunch and not contribute and get sucked into the contagion of it, I would give myself one point. <laughs> and if I could go to lunch and actually add one positive thing, uh, either a statement or rephrase something someone else was saying, or, you know, just note something that was positive, if I could do that, uh, which was actually a brave action because nobody really wanted to hear it. Uh, but if I could, I would give myself two points. <laughs> and by the end of the week, I would, you know, reward myself for the amount of points I got. But it was so difficult. I really hmm. didn't actually gain too many points because it was, you know, <laughs> like a losing battle. I, you know, I, I totally relate to that. Um, and I don't think I would have gotten any points because I, I get sucked in very easily. I mean, there's something about the, there's a seductive aspect of picking out those negatives about being negative. I mean, it, it, and it's, I see it this way that most people will hover around the negativity because there's a seductive aspect to picking apart either someone else or the job or the requirements. Uh, we, we tend to go and focus on that. It's like the kid coming home, mom, mom, look, I got three A's and a C. Wow. And the mother says, Let's talk about that C. You know, it's like our mind immediately goes to the fly in the soup mm -hmm. rather than the soup. 
Although I, 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 I could I'd probably throw the soup out if my soup had a fly in it, but nevertheless, um, you get you get the metaphor. Got it. So, uh, so you, you, we 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 are drawn to the fly. So, so the kid coming home, or or let's say, uh, take me for example with with my books. I have on Amazon the Amazon reviews, or, or any person that has these reviews on Amazon, and that person may have three hundred five-star reviews. Great, fantastic. And then they, they check on Amazon the next day and there's this one-star negative review with some ambiguous you know, review underneath it. So that person walks down the block. You think he's focused on the 500 or she's focused on those 500 positive reviews? No. Why did that person, did he even read the book? Did she even read that? <laughs> Just keep going over it and over it and over it. So I guess my point is we tend to ruminate. We don't let it go. So what, what makes us cling to those negatives? I mean, if we learn our lesson not to eat a red berry, uh, then, then why do we keep, you know, well, well maybe, it, maybe it's more applicable to relationships. Like to go back to Fred Flintstone. If, if his Neanderthal neighbor has a, a big frightening club that he uses to bash people in the head, um, you know, Fred's Fred's going to be looking over his shoulder. He's going to be clinging to that negative, remembering that that club is something that's very lethal and his neighbor possesses it. So, so he's going to always be clinging to that negative. And that makes sense. But sometimes we cling to the most inane worries. And, and right, do you, do you see what I'm saying? The things that are just so non-threatening, but we don't let them go. Like someone didn't like my tie. Why do I keep thinking about it? <laughs> Yes. Well, I like your ties, but I do think that <laughs> you're just people... saying that you're just saying that. See, it's a negative. <laughs> I know it. I know it. No, but it's true that the negatives are more impactful. So not not only are we more drawn to noticing them, but they actually impact us more deeply, mm -hmm. uh, which is why you have that sticky effect like a, a Velcro. They say the negativity is like Velcro to your brain and positivity is like Teflon. It just kind of you, you don't notice it as much and it doesn't impact you, which is unfortunate. But you can you can shift your energy and your attention. And I do believe that you can beat the negativity bias if you are conscious of it. So I think being aware of it is a huge benefit and a huge gift. But yeah. I also, sorry, I just wanted to say mm -hmm. too, like Please. Um, in my experience with that lunch group, and I think with any negative negativity that's sort of circulating, people that are in that space of the, the negative spiral, positivity is like almost intolerable to them, which is why it was so hard for me to actually input some positivity in their conversation because it almost feels threatening in some way because they're enjoying that safe space of the negativity. And so I think that uh, people really need to shift their, almost like their entire vibration in order to be able to invite the positive in. So when we say, there are ways to shift your negative bias. It is true, but it's actually, it's difficult. You have to push against the momentum to get back to neutral. Boy, I love what you said about uh, the negative bias is, is like Velcro and uh, positive thoughts are like uh, Teflon. That, that's fantastic. That, that sums it all up. That's really wonderful because that's exactly right. 
when you when you put two pieces of velcro together boy you have to rip them apart and that's how it feels sometimes with negativity you have to kind of rip it apart uh, if if you don't like my tie and I keep ruminating about it, I have to rip myself away from those ruminations. And you might tell me that I look great in my suit and my shoes and everything else. And, and that that doesn't pale to the thought that you didn't like my tie. By the way, you said you like my ties. The last time you saw me in a tie was your wedding. And there was no time before that in memory did you remember me with a tie. So Well, I gave you a tie as a gift and I like that one. So That's true. That's true. And it was a wonderful gift. <laughs> Teflon, Teflon, it just, see, I, I focused on the negative comment. See how quickly we gravitate. It's like heroin, like those people you talked about uh, that when you when you were around them and they just seem to kind of enjoy. It's like a heroin. They really, what is, gee whiz, negatives about others. Maybe it, us, maybe it makes us feel more more in control or more above uh, everyone else to to point out someone's negative but it, it is an interesting phenomena and it is seductive we get sucked into just focusing on those negatives especially when it's not harmful to us and so so let's let's go back to when it's harmful to us because i think that's what we're talking about today and and i'll introduce the term pessimism here because a pessimistic attitude is one who who really kind of hyper focuses on the negativity is it, do you see pessimism as as that kind of a an attitude yep i do yeah so pessimism you know i've always looked at pessimism on, from the neurotic scale which which i'd like to get into a little later but uh let's say um you know there's a a hurricane about to to blow through and you become pessimistic about whether the limbs over your house are going to be okay or whether the windows are going to blow out or you're going to lose electricity. Uh, when there is a realistic threat, say a Cat 5 hurricane, then it almost seems like the pessimism uh, is, is really quite valuable. You know, let's call it the positivity of negativity, if you will. Mm. So the positive value of some negativity shouldn't be overlooked because of its survival value. But as a psychologist, of course, I'm inclined to go towards people who see danger in safe places, people who imagine danger that doesn't exist. Now, if you don't mind, can I tell you a little bit about Clarence? Sure. I do not know Clarence. Yeah. Well, you're about to hear about Clarence. Clarence was a boogeyman I grew up with. And for whatever reason, don't ask me why, but my parents told me that Clarence was this boogeyman that lived up in the attic. Hmm. And I, later on, as an adult, I looked up what a boogeyman is. And a boogeyman is someone that comes and steals children in the, in the night. Well, anyhow, they didn't have to give me that definition. I was scared to go anywhere near that attic. And I guess that why was- Why did they tell you that? Well, they I didn't guess- They want you to go upstairs? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and they didn't want me to fall through the rafters and all that stuff. So, so I always lived very cautiously knowing that Clarence was upstairs. And that went on for a good part of my childhood. But it wasn't until I grew up a bit and got adventurous enough to inch my way up to the attic to peek into Clarence's lair. Mm. And what do you think I saw? No Clarence. So, so I guess what I'm saying is when it comes to worry and negative bias, 
we need to kind of check it out and realize whether or not the danger we perceive is real, like the Cat 5 hurricane, or whether it's neurotic that we just assume there's a real Clarence when there isn't. Hmm. Do you follow all that? Yes. Are you afraid? Yeah. But are you afraid of Clarence? I mean, a little bit. Better be. I always thought like Santa was creepy that he was watching <laughs> you when you were sleeping and he was a nice one. So I would not have fared well if Clarence lived in our attic growing up. So, so the Clarence, I guess what I'm trying to get at with Clarence is that when it comes to neurotic negativity as opposed to negative bias, um, we, we, we have the same bias when it comes to ruminative worrying, which worrying by its definition, or at least my definition, is a projection of chaos to come. We only worry about things that may go awry. So, so we're worrying about things that don't exist. You know, we're worrying about things in the future. You know, as Mark Twain said, I've worried about many things in my life, most of which have never happened. So from a neurotic standpoint, the negative bias really hurts us, doesn't help us like with the Cat 5 hurricane. It really hurts us in that it creates anxiety and stress. And we're worrying about things that may never happen. So that, that was my point with the Clarence. Hmm. Yeah, I, I hear that. And I think that what you're saying is one of the first things you can do to challenge the bias is to notice the validity of your negative thoughts. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yes. Uh, to separate facts from emotional fictions. So yeah, to, to be aware of those negative thoughts and then to differentiate which of those thoughts are reality based and which aren't. Mm -hmm. Yes. <clears throat> I would say that that's a great place to start. <laughs> oh, you're just being nice. Come on. I, can, I, can, I hear it in your voice. You're, you're not so sure. You're, you're saying, I like your tie, dad. And you... <laughs> well, all right. I got to work on my tone then. That's a great place to start, dad. I like this. Okay. Excellent. Tone. tone. So tone. Well, yeah, that's that's not a bad, a bad concept because tone itself we, we can perceive a negative just by, why did she sound like she didn't like my times? Was she being <laughs> honest? Because sometimes people that are very superficial might, might give you this glowing, oh, I just loved your dress. And, and it's so saccharine and just so over the top that we, we just can't trust it. Why was she True. Well, and that's the negativity bias in relationships. And often that negativity is... It, it like leads you to assume the worst in people. So even if somebody said that, you know, I said I liked your tie and you immediately think that I don't actually like your tie when I actually do. So you're because of your negativity bias, you're you're going to assume that someone didn't actually mean well by what they did. Well, wait a second. Mm. So now you're explaining why you, you actually did like my tie. But so you, you're being so defensive about it, which leads me to say that everything you've just said is just a reason to cover up what you really feel. No, I'm not being defensive. You're, <laughs> you're functioning out of your negativity bias. Maybe I am, too. So this is a very how, bad cyclical problem. Oh, how easy we stray into that pit of negativity bias. Uh, OK, so in order to to make it better, I have to tell you three things that I have to give you three positives okay. to outweigh the bias. Let fire away. 
Okay. So number one, your podcast voice is excellent. You have like that radio show voice, which I love. Number two, your voice for Quinty, my doll growing up is also oh. great. Excuse and me. Can we bring Quinty in for a little bit later? For, um... Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. Okay. Go ahead. And that's number two. Number two. And my number Quinty three, voice. you are an excellent... <laughs> Listen how long it's taking you to come to this. <laughs> well, there's so many One... things I could think of. That's why I had to narrow it down. Why, why is she taking forever to think of the third one? See? Oh, man, your bias is really strong. I, I was trying to, to weed through all the wonderful things so I could pick three. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, so I'll buy that. Um, so so you mentioned Quinty. Now, we, we introduced Quinty to our show last week. Quinty was, you got go you describe who Quinty is. I shouldn't say was. Yeah, Quint well, Quinty is a Cabbage Patch doll that I got when I was a little girl. And my dad made him talk from the very beginning. And I think maybe Quinty was a lesson in negativity bias from the very beginning, because instead of being a cute little Cabbage Patch, as he appeared to be, he was really like nasty and kind of negative. And I think it I think that maybe the intention was to teach me what not to do. I'm not sure if you ever thought through like why he was such a was such a jerk. I, but... What are you saying? I didn't have to say this. Quinty had a mind of his own. Right, and I do. I do still believe that okay. uh, because of my conditioning. And you, you know, I never thought of it till you just mentioned it. But Quinty is the quintessential—no pun there. He's the quintessential negative biased attitude mm -hmm. because that's what makes Quinty fun and lovable. Is that he's totally negative to everyone yeah and he yeah he doesn't even he never balances things out with positives i don't think yeah let's let's bring him in just just so he can shed some light on how negative he can be quinty would you have a few words today for us no <laughs> there you go <laughs> i didn't think so yeah what do you just leave me alone she's always bothering me you don't like our podcast quinty? i hate this podcast I'm <laughs> going home you okay you are home already so all right thanks for abandoning me oh, oh gosh See, he has never gotten over you getting married i know oh boy okay so long quinty yeah we'll talk to him later <laughs> but, but is it yeah and that, and the persona that i gave quinty this negative persona now that you mention it everyone in the family they 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 love quinty they ask for him every time we have a family gathering so so what is it and here you go maybe it's because like gossip like what you were reporting before is that people really get get seduced into wanting to hear negativity <laughs> uh, and and quinty puts everybody down and and it's just fun because you know it's quinty he's a cabbage patch you know no offense quinty but but why do we all love Quinty so much, right? Is that am I on to something? I think so. Actually, as you're talking, I was thinking also about the the news media and how similar to Quinty, uh, people are almost addicted to the news because of the amount of negativity that it spreads. Like they they very rarely run positive stories because it doesn't attract viewers. So it might sort of be the same thing. Like our brains are kind of programmed to want negative quinties and negative media well okay so there's the key 
Now, if we want to have a very successful podcast, we need to start getting negative, right? <laughs> Lauren, you know what? I don't like that dress you had on last night. Oh, man. There you go. I haven't worn a dress since last March. So. <laughs> Which is my point. When are you going to start wearing dresses again? <laughs> you wore a dress for your wedding. Oh, I wore my dress for my wedding. Three yes, months I did. Ago. And you, you looked stunning. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Now, do you take that that this is my father just being my father saying nice things? Or do you think that maybe he really didn't like my dress? <laughs> well, I did buy a wedding dress for the, the wedding I was supposed to have in May. And you told me you loved it until after I decided not to wear it for the small wedding, at which point you told me you actually hated it. So now I'm not so sure what to believe. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Wait, you got to give a father a break. I mean, here you it, are with a wedding dress and you asked me if I, that's one area where you can't be honest. I guess you're right. And in your defense, the dress really did turn out to be quite hideous. So I'm glad I didn't wear it too. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you throw that at me. See how the negative sticks in your mind? Sorry. Right, we cling to those negatives. The, the concept of rumination, you know, let's let's talk about what most people encounter every day. And that's the, you know, the, she didn't like my tie. Uh, why did the boss say what she said? You know, let's, let's talk about the ruminative worrying where we just can't let go. And, and you hit on it before, in order to let go, then we have to practice positivity. Now, practicing means just that, you know, and give me your example of that. And I'm going to say what is critical to me in practice, and that's repetition over time. Talk about practicing those positives. Mm hmm. Oh, you want me to talk about it? <laughs> okay. No, I was going to ask Quinty, Quinty but but if, if you'd like, to, I don't want to talk about it. All right. I thought you were saying it like, talk about those positives. <laughs> I, I get it. So you're actually asking a question. Okay. Uh, he was so, asking me. He wasn't asking you. <laughs> I don't think you have much to say about positives. So we're going to skip right over you, Quinty. All right. Uh, so, yeah, to practice it, I think we we have to be really aware of where we're directing our attention and our energy. It was uh, Tony Robbins says where your attention goes, your energy flows. So if your attention is tuned into the negative, which it will be unless you reprogram, because we're all sort of um, directed towards the negative to, start, to begin with. And so I think being bringing awareness to any positive events that you can and really like feel into them. So just starting to notice where your attention is going and trying to just sort of shift it to some of the positives and become aware of all the things in your life that you do have. So it's kind of like a practice of gratitude, but trying to amplify those moments and to experience them as fully as you allow yourself to experience the negatives. Hmm. So I think that you can do that by really engaging in, in the moment you're noticing a good feeling, really allow yourself to notice everything about that situation as if you want to remember it forever. And the way to do that is to just try and engage all of your senses and allow that experience to amplify hmm. because your, your body just naturally does that with negative experiences, but with positives, you have to train it to do so. Did uh, Tony tell you that directly or? Tony, uh, yeah, I have his direct line. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Robbins. Mr. Uh, Robbins. 
the awareness part, I really relate to that. You, people don't realize that there's a lot of reflexiveness to, to our thinking. You know, it's, it's the, the habitual part of our brain. We are habit machines. You know, we, we, we really do form habits very easily. If we didn't, can you imagine waking up every day and having to relearn how to tie your shoes or how to button your blouse or shirt? Uh, you know, these, these are things that become automatic uh, or reflexive. So we don't have to expend a whole lot of thought. So, so we, are, we are equipped, aside from a negative bias, we are also equipped with the capacity to form habits uh, to make us more efficient. So, so these, these negatives, especially a worrier, a worry wart. Um, you know, we become reflexive when it comes, we just jump to the negative without even thinking or consciously deciding to be negative. We, we gravitate right into that pit. And I think that's important with negative bias is to realize how, how reflexive we are when we point out someone's negativity or when we gossip in a negative way or et cetera, et cetera. So, so I think that because we are so prone towards habit that, that we need to realize that shedding that awareness on the reflexes is critical. And consciousness is, in my estimation, the highest form of awareness there can be overriding reflexes, habits, and even to some extent, things that are less than conscious. So, so we need to use the full power and focus of our conscious awareness to shed light on those things which are knee-jerk, kind of reflexive negativity, and we need to challenge it. So I think we're, we're you and I are in harmony here when we, we say the awareness uh, is so important, the practice, the awareness. What were the other things? I keep going back to the third thing you couldn't remember about what was good about me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> talk about rumination oh my gosh yeah speaking of rumination um well okay so another tool is just challenging your negative thoughts so you could try that right now is is the fact that it took me a minute to figure out your third thing actually an assault on you or is it possible that that's not true and that i was really trying to think of like a perfect thing to say okay let's analyze this okay so she she hesitated in finding that third thing now is it possible that she was going through the thousands and thousands and thousands of positive qualities and didn't know how to condense that mm -hmm. hmm nah Impossible. nah oh gosh <laughs> you are tough oh my gosh and and it's all based on well let me let me just depersonalize it for a second so an insecure person has a much more difficult time shedding negatives than a positive, upbeat person, an optimist. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with that? I do agree with that. And I would assume that the neural pathways in an insecure person's brain are actually stronger. Like the habits are stronger formed for this negativity for people mm -hmm. that are insecure. It's just, it's a quicker connection between the stimulus and a negative response. Whereas people that are more secure with themselves, they might have an easier time breaking the habit. But I think everybody has the equal opportunity to reprogram their brain, whether you're insecure or secure. It just, you might face a little bit more resistance along the way. That, that, I'm so glad you said that because it really brings to my mind 
uh, an interest I've had in my own writing, and that's neuroplasticity. And that neuroplasticity is simply that learning actually changes the brain anatomy. So, so when you say that the neural pathways are strong in the negative, that's, that's an inherited propensity towards negativity. So that's just there. It's, it's a strong tug in a negative direction, direction. And that's part of our DNA. So to overcome that, you know, and I, I, I use, uh, I have a four-step mind talk process. The mind talk that's necessary to overcome that requires that we first begin to neutralize that habituated response, that negativity. And we, we neutralize it uh, by challenging it. And we start to instead incorporate a positive override. And that's a very active, active mental thing to do. We have to insist on overriding it with the opposite, with the positive, especially when something negative isn't going to hurt us, just like, you know, a worry about whether whether the boss is going to like you or not. You can override that with, with a positive. Of course, they're going to like me. I'm working very hard. I do everything I'm asked to do. And you keep challenging and challenging and giving less attention to that, that negative reverie. So, so I think that if you realize that you can change the brain's anatomy by one, minimizing, neutralizing the reflexive negativity and replacing it with more positivity that challenges over and over and over that negativity, we're actually, we're actually forming new neural pathways, neuroplasticity. Our brains are plastic, they're malleable, and we could change whatever we don't like do you agree or are you about to? Oh, I definitely agree. And I also was just thinking earlier, well, when we went through the whole thing with your tie and then I was trying to name three positives. You had to bring that up. <laughs> I just wanted to reiterate that in any moment where you notice a negative thought or sensation, you can practice that three to one and you don't necessarily have to find the positives that are uh, linked to that direct situation. So any three positives, even if they're completely random relative to the negative situation, is actually helpful in stopping that stimulus in your pathway. It actually, that's what helps you to shift the programming. So even if you are to trip and fall and drop your coffee on the white carpet, which I actually did the other day, uh, you, in that moment, um, your mind wants to stick with that thought of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did this. Now I have to clean it all up. It's going to stain. You, your mind wants to go down that path over and over to strengthen it. So if you can find the willpower in that moment to just uh, challenge yourself to find three positives, it could be anything. It could be, you know, a, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm meeting my friend after work tonight on Zoom, <laughs> or I like it's a sunny day outside and uh, at least I can refill my coffee cup because I have hot coffee and electricity. <laughs> like simple things, anything that you can possibly think of that is a positive, even if it's not directly related to the negative experience, is a way of actively reprogramming. You know what? I think I think that's a great synopsis of what we're trying to get across today. So let's let's kind of wrap it up with that. I think focusing on the positives. You are so correct. I mean, the world is filled with positives, and but we gravitate toward the negative, and we're we're kind of muting 
the positives when we do that. So the positives are there. They exist. And our predilection is to go toward the negative, And that's just that knee jerk. So what, what Lauren is saying to everyone is go ahead and just take a deep breath, dig your heels in and open your eyes and mind to those positives that are around you. Now, that's my sign off for today. Do you have one, Lo? I would just encourage once again for everyone to try to indulge in those positive experiences in life. Uh, they're, they're happening all the time. We just happen to let them slide away. So my advice or my challenge for you is just to try in the next moment where you notice something positive or something pleasant to try and really feel into those sensations and the emotions that come up and make that something that you go back and think about in your mind. See if you can practice positive rumination, if that's even a thing, <laughs> and uh, try and just, yeah, allow for the positives to have equal weight uh, as the negatives do in our life and see if that creates a shift. Fantastic. Well, Lauren, I, I, I had fun today. I'm, I'm really delighted we, we had a chance to bring Quinty and expose his negativity. Mm -hmm. And dad, you're smart, courageous, and funny. <laughs> it took you long <laughs> enough to overcome that hesitation, <laughs> but we'll, we'll talk more about it. All right. All right, that's, uh, you know what, and, and visit our selfcoaching.net website, where you can learn more about our self-coaching philosophy. And while you're there, check out my number one best-selling books, now published in 10 languages. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. By definition, victims are powerless, and you are not powerless. And remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join Lauren and I every week and let's make it simple together. Yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams.